So when I recorded this episode, I thought our interaction was completely over and done with. Until two weeks later, when this man was strangely loafing around my house, I came home, locked myself inside, called some friends because I was afraid. Um, He didn't bother coming in, but then 15 minutes later, he fraudulently charged my credit card, to which I actually got the money back because there was a video of him telling a supplier to charge my credit card, them printing a receipt, and him signing my name for it. Um, But not after trying to find where he was, and it was just a whirlwind. All I want to say is I'm so glad it's finally over and done with. Literally ended December 31st, and I was like, that's it. 2023, no going back. 2023, I just want to grow and expand, invest in myself, and move forward. So I don't even want to mention this person's name anymore. I actually really don't want to talk about the story anymore. Oh, and the last detail I will say was that part of the promise he made to me and one of my conditions in us trying this was that he cut all ties with his ex and he told me he did. It's funny because the day he left and everything blew up, which you'll hear about in this following episode, I'd even asked him that morning, do you ever miss her? Do you miss her at all? And he was like, no, I don't miss her. You'll find out why as you listen. But yeah, all of it is just so crazy and I'm just so happy to be done with it. So I was going to record an ending, another ending, and just like tell you the final story of what happened after he left my house and I didn't hear or see him for two weeks and I thought I was really, really done. And then he frauded my credit card. But honestly, fuck it. I'm done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. We're only moving upwards and onwards from here. So have a listen, friends. It's crazy. Strap in. Welcome to the Naked and Wandering Podcast. This show is all about connecting with inspiring people who follow passion and freedom for a living. Together, we will learn from them, hear how they did it, and understand how we can all pursue our dreams. I'm Lauren Ruddick, an international yoga teacher, travel blogger, yoga school owner, and serial entrepreneur. On this show, I will share all of my mistakes and triumphs, failures and lessons, and connect you with amazing people who do the same. We promise to be unabashedly honest, have nothing to hide, and nothing to cover up. This is how we find ourselves naked and wandering in the world. Thanks for being here. Hey everyone, so this is part two of the most insane relationship I've ever found myself in. If you didn't listen to episode one, or excuse me, part one of this saga, go back and listen to it right now. It's called Lies, Cheating, I'm in a Relationship. Because it's just sort of still flabbergasting. So go listen to that, and then I'll tell you the follow-up. So the first part of the story was recorded two days before the guy was supposed to come visit. I had mentioned his name, so whatever. I'll just use his first name. His name is Stuart. So two days before Stuart was supposed to arrive and I was like dreading it. And the takeaway from this episode and from this chapter of my life is always listen to your intuition. Your intuition knows best. If something doesn't feel right, it isn't. If something is too good to be true, it is. Notice love bombing when it happens. 
run away at the first slightest hint of a lie. When somebody shows you your true colors, believe them. Because I didn't do any of that. (laughs) You know, if you listen to the first part of this story, my intuition was like, don't see this guy again. Run. You can do better. You deserve better. You know better is out there. Also, this guy's not honest. He is going to cheat again. He's not your person. Like all of those things, right? But I think I just want to cohabitate with someone, want companionship, want partnership. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I'm capable of forgiveness to this extent. And maybe I'm capable of overlooking all of this so I can have the partnership I want. And the truth is, I do forgive him because I don't give a shit about him. Like, he doesn't play any part in my life anymore. Like, inconsequential is how I think of it. Actually, he is not inconsequential. He is consequential because I learned an amazing lesson. So I'm actually grateful for that. But yeah, I'm not upset about it. And I'm just really happy that it didn't drag out longer than it did. And... I think throughout this process, I became so much better friends with myself that it's all so worth it. So, Stuart comes to Nicaragua. I decided to go meet him at the border. I was so nervous. I like dressed up and everything and I went to go meet him because he flew into Costa Rica and then walked across the border. I only live 45 minutes from the border. So... I was waiting for him. He shows up at the border and like we have this big hug. I actually like recorded it because I was like, oh, if things go well, I'm going to want this video for later, you know. And when he got there, it felt awkward. You know, we had like a 45 minute drive back to my house and I felt uncomfortable. I felt awkward. We didn't kiss right away. Something was still off for me. Like, I don't know what I was expecting, but maybe that all of my feelings and emotions that I had felt with him in person when things were good would just flood back and it was all going to be okay. Maybe that's what I was hoping for. But something was off. His behavior was strange. I felt awkward, uncomfortable. Anyways, we make it back to my house. And red flag number one, he seemed uncomfortable. And that's okay. He hasn't traveled nearly as much as me. He hasn't been to Central America. He hasn't been to a developing country. But like, I do have a pretty nice house here, even though it's rugged, you know, there are like bugs and it's not luxurious, but it's a nice house. And, you know, usually when you walk into someone's house, you would say something nice about their house, you know, and he didn't, which is fine. I'm not gonna take it personally. He was tired. He had a long travel day, uncomfortable, whatever. So he showers, we eat, go to sleep. And that night we have a conversation. I don't know how it came up. We're like laying in bed and we had just been intimate and we're like laying in bed and we had had a conversation about money and I don't know how it came up. But I will say this, a lot of our relationship, he spent bitching about his ex and saying things to me about like what he didn't like about her and comparing us. And now I recognize that that's just another one of his many manipulation tactics. And it's also a red flag because at first 
I was just like, oh, he's just sharing with me what he likes and doesn't like. But when somebody is doing that so much, it's a red flag because if he is talking about someone he used to love like that, like what is he saying about me behind my back, you know? And so it started to become a red flag the way he spoke about her because I don't want to be spoken about like that. And I also started to realize he doesn't really speak about women in a very positive light in general as I got to know him a little bit better throughout the week he spent with me in Nicaragua. So yeah, he was always complaining about how his ex didn't make enough money and talking about how he didn't like her job and how, you know, he wanted to live a certain lifestyle and she couldn't help or contribute and she was in debt. And so I don't know how this came up, but we were just like talking about that. And it's late and we're tired. And he was like, yeah, well, it was so hard because like she was so bad at managing her finances. And that was really annoying because, you know, we were splitting everything 50-50 in the house expenses and everything. And like she was really struggling to pay her end of it. And I was like, well, why were you splitting things 50-50 if you make four times as much money as her? And he was like, well, that's the most fair way to do it, 50-50. And I was like, but it's not 50-50 if one person makes way more money than the person who makes more money is paying below their means, way below their means and saving lots of money. And the person who makes less money, as you just told me, is like struggling to make expenses and bills work every month and can't save anything. And I was upset with this. And I don't know how any of you do it, where you're from, but... For me, equality and 50-50 means paying a percentage of house bills based on how much you make. And I'm not saying this as like a living together situation if it's like roommates. Whenever I've had roommates, everything has been 50-50. I'm saying in a committed relationship as a couple, like a spousal ship. This is what I believe is fair. And you might believe something else. Some of you might believe that it has to be 50-50 regardless. Some of you might believe that one partner pays all the expenses. We all have different values and belief systems around this. For me, I believe that we should pay a percentage of expenses based on how much we make. So that way everybody is putting out the same amount based on what they're capable of. And he disagreed. He's like, well, I don't think that's fair. It should be 50-50. I'm like, it is 50-50. This is just my opinion. And I was like, it is 50-50 if one person is making $40,000 and the other person is making $150,000. It is 50-50 if the person who's making three or four times less money has three or four times less expenses. Because then you're both living within your means. It's not really fair to make her live outside of her means and you are like putting all this money away and not helping her. And he's like, well, I did offer to help her. I did offer to pay off her credit card debt. And I was like, did you offer it to her as a loan or as a gift? And he's like, a loan, but better she can pay me back than pay back a credit card company with interest. And I was like, I think that's so disempowering. Like, I wouldn't take a loan from my boyfriend either. I don't even take loans from my parents. Like, I have a very hard time accepting help from people. And especially not my significant other. I would I would not take a loan from my boyfriend. I would feel so uncomfortable. I think it completely changes the power dynamic, right? And it it puts someone else in a position of control against the other person. 
So I was like pretty upset with this. And then he goes on to say, well, I mean, we were splitting all the household chores and everything 50-50. And I told her if she wanted to take on more household chores, I would pay her to do them. And I was like, so you wanted to turn her into the help? You're going to treat her like the help, paying her to do cleaning? I was just so blown away and grossed out. This was the start of us ending. And that was the first night. I just didn't, I don't know how this conversation came up. And I was, I was just grossed out. I was like, look, that is just not my values at all. Like, I totally disagree with this. And then he, I was sort of going on about it and he realized he wasn't going to get his way with me. And so he just like kisses me on the cheek. He's like, okay, we'll do it based on a percentage. Good night. As like, as if that was resolved. And in my mind, I'm like, that's not resolving anything. Like, just because you're saying now, like, okay, we'll do it your way. That doesn't mean I'm getting my way. Like, the issue for me was a values thing. So that was odd. The next day we spend the day together. We wake up. My house has an incredible view of the ocean. I have a view of two different beaches and it's beautiful. I've never had someone come into my space and not be like, Wow, the view is amazing. Doesn't say anything. So after like 20 or 30 minutes of him like walking around the house and being up, I'm like, hey, did you see the view? And he's like, no, I'll look at it later. And I was just like, what? <laughs> he didn't have anything nice or complimentary to say about any part of his experience. What did we do that first day? I had like a parasite and I was kind of sick. I don't remember what we did that first day, but I was not feeling well. Um, I think I ended up taking him to the beach. Yeah, we went to the beach. We went to some tide pools. Uh, we went for lunch and breakfast and dinner. And again, the whole time he was like not himself. First of all, he was like a different person than the guy I had dated at home. You know, the guy that I had met was exciting, funny, interesting, full of life, fun to be around. This person completely lacked affect. He was like a shell of himself. And he is a really, really tall guy, like a big, tall guy. And... To have someone who's that tall take up no space was very strange. I was like, man, this guy must be really like struggling with his mental health or something. Like something is so off about him. He was like just different. And then, of course, I went back to the part of reminding myself, well, you know, his mom did just pass away and he's not as well traveled as I am. So maybe he's just uncomfortable. Like I've got to give him a bit of a chance. But again, like we went to the beach and at no point was he like, wow, this beach is really nice or like whoa, these tide pools are nice, or it's so fun swimming here. Like, nothing. There was no joy, no happiness, no gratitude. And these are all things that are very important to me. So that's day one. Again, things are weird. Um, I don't remember how it came up in conversation, but we were talking again about, like, cheating. And at one point, he says... Lauren, I think cheating is, like, way more common than you think. Like, I think it happens much more than you realize. And I was like, oh, excuse me, that's my belly. I was like, you know, that is very possible, but I don't cheat. And I've never been cheated on until you. And I've never cheated on anyone. It's just not something I do. And sure, sometimes when you're in a relationship for a long time, it is hard not to be tempted. Sometimes it is hard when you meet someone and feel connected to them and like not cheat, but you just don't do it. You think about the other person and you think about how it would make them feel 
and you just don't do it. And he was like, well, I think it's way more common than you think. Like, for example, when I was in college, I was at this house party and I got really drunk and I was too drunk to drive home. So I slept on the floor and there was this couple there and he passed out on the couch. And then the girlfriend came and started having sex with me. And I had sex with the girlfriend on the floor while the boyfriend was passed out on the couch next to us. And I was just like, oh, well, how did that make you feel? And he goes, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I was single. I'm just trying to show you that cheating is more common than you think. And I was, again, so grossed out. We've all done stupid things when we were young. We've all done stupid things in our 20s and teens and maybe 30s. Like, we've all done stupid things in our lives. And the issue for me was not that he did that stupid thing that's kind of gross and sleazy. The issue for me was that retroactively, he didn't say like, oh, yeah, it was a pretty sleazy thing to do. Or, oh, I mean, I would make a different choice today. Retroactively, he was presenting like, I didn't do anything wrong. The onus isn't on me. This is not my fault. And again, that was another judgment call and another value call that made me feel very uncomfortable. So then, this timing isn't amazing, but Kezia came to visit. I hadn't seen my friend Kezia in three years, and if you're a podcast listener, you've heard Kezia's name a few times. Uh, She helped me start Yoga Academy International, and we did our first yoga teacher training together. We've been friends now, like, going on 18 years. 18? 15? A while. Many years. Teens of years. And I love her so much, and I was so excited to see her. We hadn't seen each other. We had so much catching up to do, and I was, like, just so excited. Anyway. So I think I sent Stuart for a surfing lesson and then Kezia comes and I'm just like over the moon excited to see her and we catch up, we're hanging out, he comes back. She's wonderful and she's so kind to him and we all make dinner and the whole time Kezia and I are like making dinner, he does not offer to help. Why would he? Uh, Doesn't offer to help or like, hey, can I do something or do you guys need anything? Nope, none of that. He's just like loafing around and not trying with my friend. And that was another thing that bothered me is... I introduced him to people in town where I live, a small town, and he wasn't making an effort to be friendly or nice. And this is not the same person that I knew. The person I knew was like charismatic and fun and fun loving. And for example, I went into a store and introduced him to my two close friends here who own the store. And he didn't even say like anything after hi, there was nothing. And after we walked out, I was like, you know, those two are my very close friends here. Like, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't make more of an effort. And he's like, well, I have nothing to say to them. I was just like, what? Like, ask them questions. I said that to him. Them. Like, ask them questions. Where are you from? How did you open the store? How long have you been in Nicaragua? Like, do you like to surf? You know, if it's my partner and I'm introducing that person to... Or sorry. If I'm the partner my partner is introducing me to friends or family or a space, I would try my best to be enthusiastic and present and interactive with it. And this was like just yet another disappointment, another red flag, another like what the fuck moment with him. So anyway, Kizia's there. Kizia's there for like two and a half days and we have such a great time. And we are just like a unit and kind of no one else can penetrate and pierce. And she's being really nice and inclusive with him. Don't get me wrong. 
but also, you know, her and I still have our closeness. And, you know, at moments when he wasn't around, she was just like, Lauren, this guy has no affect. And I was like, I know. She's like, I don't understand. Like, he's so flat. There's no emotion. And I was like, I know. This is not the same person that I met. It's so weird. I feel so uncomfortable. And I told her, you know, some of the issues and the red flags. And she's like, yeah, you deserve so much better. You can do so much better. And I was like, I know. Like, I think I need to end this. I'm just not, I'm not into it. I'm not into him anymore. And so obviously I didn't want to do that while Kizu was there. And so she's here. We're all spending time together. It's nice. And then... We bring Kizia to town to drop her off at the bus station. I think him and I went for a meal and then we drove back and I was like, oh, there's this really nice viewpoint. Do you want to come to this viewpoint with me? And I was like, okay. He's like, okay. So we go to this viewpoint and it's just the two of us up there. And at the viewpoint, I told him like, this is not working out. I think that we have very different values and I think he should think about leaving because there's just no point in him staying three weeks when he was supposed to stay. Well, originally I said, don't get a return ticket. So that way, if it doesn't go well, you can leave whenever he ended up getting a return ticket. So he, I was like, you know, there's, he's like, well, what should we do? Should we just like still have a vacation? And I was like, you know what? There's really no point in you staying for like three weeks in my house. Like, no, thanks. It's just going to be awkward and uncomfortable. You know, let's figure out next steps. And so we get to the viewpoint, we're talking, and he, like, bursts into tears. And it was just, like, a beautiful, vulnerable moment. And he's like, I know I have so much growing up to do. And I was like, that's okay. And we're talking. And he's like, you know, if I do the work, can I, like, come back to you in a few years and talk? And I was like, sure, you can reach out and we'll see where you're at. Like, hopefully in a few years I'll be married to someone else. That's what my mind was thinking. Like, sure, reach out to me in a few years. Uh, I will be well over you by then. But anyway, so we are figuring out, like, his onward steps or whatever. And so I ended the relationship, and then his wallet mysteriously went missing, and we didn't know if it was stolen. And I was like, well, the cleaning lady comes, um, you know, on Friday. I think it was Wednesday when Kizia left. And he's like, can I stay until Friday? So, like, maybe the cleaning lady will find the wallet. And I was like, okay. Which, again, now that I'm thinking about it, is probably just yet another fucking manipulation of his. I'm sure he had the wallet the whole time. Or maybe he didn't. I don't know. Because like, everything's a lie, so it's really hard to know what was true and untrue. Anyway, so he comes back. And, like, suddenly now that we're broken up and it's kind of over, like, it's fun again. And he is much more relaxed. I am much more relaxed. It's lighter. Things are going better. He seems to be more honest with me, more forthcoming, more genuine. I'm like getting hints of the person that I I liked, the person that I had met. And we had dinner on the Thursday night. I was starting to feel better from this parasite. We had dinner and it was like really fun. We shared a bottle of wine and we laughed a lot. And yeah, I'm like, maybe there's a chance here. And we were intimate with each other. We fooled around, whatever. And, you know, I was feeling like closer to him again and it was like maybe there was a shred of hope even though I was kind of like the values are still scary I need to think about it so then it's Friday morning and mysteriously his wallet appears go figure so the wallet appears and he is going to go on a motorcycle trip around Nicaragua he decides because I had taught him how to drive a motorcycle and he loves it that was like his favorite part honestly I'm pretty sure he has some sociopathic tendencies 
and I'm not trying to say that like mean, like, oh, guys, a sociopath, but people who have psychopathy and sociopathy, they need a lot more stimulation to get a rush or to get a fill. And I think what he liked about the motorcycle is like there's an adrenaline rush there. And he's not someone that scares easily, right? He he does have those tendency. He doesn't get scared. He is pretty flat. He does not very reactive. Like that's very sociopathic and very psychopathic. I'm not diagnosing anyone, but I just noticed some of his behaviors and tendencies. And he had also told me at one point that hooking up with girls, like landing the girl for him is like a rush. And maybe that's why he cheats because getting it is a rush and so I think there's like an element of him having to manipulate situations to get what he wants and come on top or like him needing an adrenaline fix or needing just a lot more stimulus to feel something anyways so he's gonna go on this motorcycle trip and when things were going better he was packing and I said you know why don't you leave because he was trying to figure out what to do and then I was like, oh, I'll help you make plans. We'll talk about it. So I I helped him think of a plan and where to go and gave him ideas and places to stay. Because, you know, I wanted to be nice. At this point, I was like, it's just a values thing. He hasn't done anything wrong. I'm just not feeling comfortable within my house. So, like, I'll help him be on his way was my thought process. And I was like, you know what? You can pack your bags and then just take a backpack. And that way you can go on your trip and leave your suitcases at my house and then... When you're ready to come back, pick up your suitcases and then you can leave from here. And if you want to like sleep the last night before the end of your trip at my house, that's fine. So that was sort of the plan. So he's all packed, he's ready to go and he's about to leave. And I had like a moment of vulnerability and a moment of you know, sadness. And I was like, you know, these last couple of days have been way better. Maybe we just need some space from each other to think. So why don't you go on this trip and let's stay in touch And then maybe in a week or so, we can just reconvene and meet up. And I would love to do a trip with you or go somewhere. And maybe we can just meet up and, you know, see if there's something really here. And I said, I just don't know how we're going to build trust. And he's like, yeah, I don't know how you're ever going to trust me again. I don't know how you're going to trust me. And I was like, well, honesty and transparency, like that's how you build trust in a relationship. And he's like, yeah, I don't think you'll ever trust me. And I was like, well, can I see your phone? And he's like, why? I'm like, well, I mean, if we're talking like honesty and transparency, like everything's on the table, right? Like here, do you want to see my phone? No big deal. I have nothing to hide. And that's another thing. I've never asked someone, can I see your phone? Never. I've never been insecure like that. I don't care. But in this case, I just wanted to see if he was going to be transparent and honest with me so I said can I see your phone and he was like no and I was like why what am I gonna see I'm like is it that you've been on dating apps have you been messaging other girls like what am I gonna see if I see your phone and at this point in my mind I'm like this is fucking done and he's like okay 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 I'll be honest like when things weren't going so well with us here I reached out to my ex and I started messaging her and I was like let me see your phone And he goes, no. And I said, Stuart, if you don't let me see your phone, this is 100% completely over forever. And you're walking out of my house and not coming back. If you do let me see your phone, maybe there's a chance things can be redeemed. Like Maybe. And so he's like, okay, well, can I see the messages? He starts scrolling through his phone. He's like, can I see? I don't even remember what I wrote to her. And I was like, no. No. Like, give me the phone. If we're going to be honest and transparent, just hand me the phone. 
And so he sort of like, like sighs and gives me the phone. And my mouth dropped open. They had been in touch the whole time. I don't think they ever broke up. So as you know, her and I had talked at length. And I don't know when after that, but sometime shortly after that, probably like two or three days after they broke up, they were talking and seeing each other again. There was messages going back the whole time he was trying to win me back. The whole time he was trying to do all the things I asked. So he was going through the motions of like, quote unquote, trying to win me back. But he was still with her the whole time. She knew he was coming on this trip with me. She knew it. And said, I hope you have the best time ever. She wrote in the text, like, oh, obviously I'm not happy that you're doing this with another girl, but I hope you have the best time ever. He was texting her the whole time. He was like traveling. Oh, I'm here. I just landed in the Houston airport. I'm here. I just did this. I'm walking across the border. When I was sick, he was texting her like, oh, Lauren's being really lame. She's sick. We just had dinner. Like she didn't even say anything. She's not even talking to me. He's texting her. I miss you. I love you. She sends him a nude pic, vagina and asshole, whole thing, full Monty, legs spread, writing, don't forget about me. I'll miss you. She's sending him messages like, I need you tonight. Where are you? And when I was sick, he said to me a couple of times, like, I'm going to go to this restaurant and have a drink because I don't want to sit in the house alone and I'm not tired yet. He was calling her. She was telling him to call. And sometimes he was like, oh, I can't. I'm with Lauren right now. And then he would like sneak away and go call her. It explains everything. No wonder he had no fucking emotions or affect. He was hiding the whole time, hiding an entire other relationship even while he was with me and she knew she knew he was with me she knew he was coming here to be with me and i don't know what the fuck he must have said to her to smooth it over because it's so fucked up maybe he just said like oh i'm gonna do this three-week vacation and then i'll come back i have no idea he was texting her i love you i miss you he texts her uh from my bed like hey my whole family is going to costa rica i really want you to join we're going in march i want my whole family there While he was also talking about having me come to the Costa Rica trip with his family, and I was like, I'm not ready to meet your family. She's sending him nude photos of herself. He's responding with photos of himself from my bed. I must have been in the shower or something when he's sending her photos of himself from my bed naked. Unbelievably fucked up. My mouth just dropped open. Like, I could not even believe it. I was just like, oh my god, they've been together the whole time. I'm just scrolling through it and scrolling through it and I just looked at him and I handed him his phone and this calmly I said get out of my house I never want to see you again and then he's like can I still leave my bags here while I do my trip and I just said no get out of my house I never ever want to see you again and he's like well what am I going to do with my stuff and I was like I don't care. And then I actually walked over to my neighbor's house and I explained to my Nicaraguan neighbors like, hey, I just found out that my boyfriend has had a girlfriend for the last 10 years and they're still together and she's sending him nude pics while he's here with me and he's sending her nude photos of himself in my bed. I was like, I don't want to see this guy again. Can he leave his luggage here while he figures out what he's doing? Because I need to kick him out of my house now. And they were like, sure, no problem. So I walked back to my house and I just looked at him and I was like, you can leave your bags at my neighbor's house. Now get out. I never want to see you again. 
And the moment he left my house, I locked the doors and had a dance party. <laughs> well, I mean, after he was out of eyesight, I locked all the doors and I just like danced around my house and I felt so light and so good. And let me tell you, friends, it's now been over a week since he left and I feel amazing. I still feel so happy and light and good and empowered. I can't remember the last time I felt so empowered as when I said, get out of my house. I never want to see you again. And didn't yell and didn't scream and didn't cry. I literally just said it so calmly. And it feels amazing. I finally chose me. And I've heard this saying, like, the universe will give you the same lesson until you learn it. And I think I finally learned it. I think I finally learned that I don't want to spend one nanosecond with someone, whether it be a man who I'm intimate with or a friendship or a work relationship where I am disrespected. And I will never again be in a relationship that is less than what I deserve, whether it's a work relationship or a friendship or an intimate relationship, a partnership of any kind. I feel now like I can finally stand up for myself. I feel like I would so much rather be alone than be with someone that does not treat me well. And was this guy ever mean to me? No. But he did not treat me well. And I think that's what I was sort of telling myself was like, well, he's never been mean to me. No, 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 no. This is not an okay treatment. And even reflecting back on some instances I had at work with colleagues, I was like, thinking to myself like, oh, there was these incidents at work where I was so disrespected and I let it happen, where I let my colleagues walk all over me, even though I'm the leader and I'm the boss. There was instances where I let go of my own power in order to placate a situation and I will not do that again. I feel so happy and so relieved. I feel so good about being alone. It also made me realize that partnership is only worth it if it enhances your life in some way. If it makes you tired or headachey or question your own values and belief systems, it's not worth it. I feel so happy to be alone for the first time in a long time. I feel like I don't need anyone. I don't want a relationship unless it's nourishing and fulfilling and exciting and kind and happy of any kind, not just a partnership, but any kind of relationship. And so ultimately, I am grateful for this. I am happy this happened because I love myself so much more now. I'm so proud of myself and I can't wait to honor myself and be with me. I finally feel like, oh, that's a woman I can look up to when looking at myself. I think it's really important to be the kind of person you'd want to be friends with. And I'm finally starting to be that person. I've been working on it for many, many, many years, but this incident made me feel like, I want to be friends with this girl. She's cool. She's empowered. She's awesome. And I'm not going to take shit anymore. Not from men and not from colleagues and not from yoga students. Like, I let people walk all over me sometimes and not stand up for myself and allow myself sometimes to be disrespected because I don't want a fight or I want more peace. And you know what? Eh. I would rather advocate for myself 
I'd rather stand up for myself and I would rather be the empowered woman that I want to be. People have said through all this, like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I finally learned the lesson I needed to. I'm finally becoming the person I want to be. And I know that I'm not going to make room in my life for anything that's less than what I know I deserve. And I will no longer be with anyone that diminishes me in any way. So ultimately, I'm grateful. It's a crazy story. It's a crazy situation. It sounds like a movie. I wouldn't have believed it unless it happened to me myself. But there you go. There it is. It happened. And I just want to encourage you all to listen to your intuition. If something feels off, it probably is. If something is too good to be true, it probably is. And do not settle for anything less than everything you deserve. Thanks so much for listening. If you know someone awesome who should be on the show, hit me up. Lauren Ruddick on Instagram or love at laurenruddick.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-R-U-D-I-C-K. Also, every week I give away a totally free copy of my best-selling e-course, Turn Your Life Upside Down. Turn Your Life Upside Down is a four-week journey towards getting you strong and excited about doing handstands. Yep, you can learn handstands in just four weeks. More than just physical postures, though, this course also has journaling and meditations to help you find your passions, live your dreams, and start taking the steps to pursuing them. To get your free copy, all you have to do is take a screenshot of your phone while you're listening to this podcast, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at Lauren Reddick so I can see it. Each week, I'll choose somebody at random to win a totally free copy of this best-selling course. Like this episode, leave me a review, and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Bye.